Denver Sports Station 104.3 The Fan presents the Honorable Judge Dan Jacobs. Welcome to the program, Scrappy Will Peterson. How are you, Scrappy? Dan, I am doing better than the uh, U.S. women's national team. How are you? Ah, fill us in. How's the U.S. national team doing? Well, they lost this morning. Earliest exit ever. Uh, round of 16, dropped to Sweden in penalty kicks, and there is no sugarcoating it. They went over to Australia and New Zealand and played four very mediocre games, uh, including today, losing in penalty kicks. That's that's time for a uh, a program to reevaluate. They used to just be able to roll in anywhere they wanted and uh, either win the trophy or get right there. And, and to lose in the Sweet 16, that's uh, that's kind of a gut punch. That that's time for a serious look in the mirror. I think. Yes, I agree with you 100. Um, percent all right, so I, you know, when it comes to golf, I have a, a personal conduct policy that I, I follow pretty darn strictly. Uh, first and foremost, when you play golf, you play golf like a man, and you take a cart, okay? No walking. And second, no weekend golf. Like, all right, weekend golf's crazy. You're out there forever. Uh, and every time I text you, it seems like you're playing weekend golf. Uh, can you explain this to me? Well, Peterson, you're playing weekend <laughs> golf again today. I, I am a golfer, yes. Uh, it was much cooler out today, which was nice. Yes. Just played a little little par three action. So, Dan, when you play the par three, there's no golf cart. Uh, I played over at Harvard Gulch right in my neighborhood, little par three that people might know, and I don't even think they have carts. You you have to walk. So I'm sorry to be a buzzkill, but I broke two of your rules. I, I, know, I played uh, walking, and I did not take a golf cart. But So what is that, about 90 minutes, two hours? What's What's that round? Yeah, it's like 90 minutes. I mean, I, again, the gulch is uh, the, the longest hole is like 110 yards. It's just a it's a good little work on your short game thing. And the first time I was out there, Dan, I, I showed up in my, my khakis and my polo shirt and thought, you know, this is a very serious golf course. And then I look over and there's, there's a bunch of DU frat bros in <laughs> Michael Jordan jerseys with beers. So uh, it, was, it was not what I was expecting, but I have, uh, I have fallen in love with it ever since. All right, so what type of golf are you? Are you pretty good? Pretty good stick? Did you play at Kent Denver? Uh, if I break 90 on a, a regulation 18 course, I'm happy. Um, you know, if I, if I shoot 87, 88, that's a good day for me, uh, usually around 92, 93. So I'm fine, um, but I'm not, you know, I'm not Brandon Stokely or Zach Bai shooting even par, that's for sure. Zach Bai? What are you talking about, Zach Bai? He's Zach- gotten a lot better, so he claims. Uh, Zach by getting a lot better is probably shooting 105 or 110. <laughs> well, I'll have to get out there with Zach then because it sounds like I could take his money. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, all right. Oh, so what do you th- what did you make of this uh, PJ Tour getting gobbled up by the Saudis? Oh man, the the whole live thing was was depressing because it just it, you know it proved that a, a lot of these guys weren't in it for. The love of the game, as we like to think, they were they were in it for a, the almighty dollar, and it, to some extent, I don't blame them. But then you look at the history of the Saudis and sort of um, the, the the transgressions that are awful that they they've committed, including killing a journalist. Um, you know, it, it's disappointing 
but I do think that this merger deal will hopefully give a little bit more control back to the PGA. That said, I'm not holding my breath because the Saudis still have a heck of a lot more money than the PGA. So, frankly, the whole thing could become uh, a Saudi golf tour under their watch. So, yeah, I, I think it's uh, I think it's disappointing, and I, I worry it may bleed into other sports. We'll have to see. We'll have to keep our eye on that. So if the PGA Tour came to you now and said, hey, Will, we love your work. Um, we've been struggling with um, – you know, some of our broadcasting and writing, we want you to come in, um, do some broadcasting for uh, our website and do a little bit of writing and some uh, communications work for us. We're going to give you $2.1 million a year, guaranteed five years. Would you do it? Uh, I would tell Denver Sports it's been a really fun run, but I'll see you guys later. No, <laughs> um, no $2.1 million. I mean, that's, that, see, now you're putting me on the spot. That's the same dilemma these golfers face, uh, the almighty dollar. So, I don't know. I would have to take a long, uh, long, hard look in the mirror and think about that one day. And it's two point one million dollars is a lot of money. I'll tell $3 you, three million dollars, three million dollars guaranteed. So it's fifteen million dollars guaranteed for five over five years um, to go do what you love. Well, you just gave me an extra nine hundred grand a year, yes. so I am sold. Yeah. Right. So. What are you going to do? What are we talking about here? Jack Nicholas is over there building golf courses. The U.S. government, um, I, I went and did, a, I looked up a list of the companies that are over there doing business with the Saudis, and we're trying to, we're, what, we're vilifying uh, golfers for going over there and making sure that they're, you know, taking $200 million? Like, like any of us wouldn't do it? If any of us in our own professions, myself included, um, you obviously included there, you know, Will, no, you know, no, not taking a shot. We would all do it. You know, I, it's horrible what they did to the journalist, right? Um, it's horrible some of the things that have happened, but there's blood on everybody's hands around here. Um, so I, I, I just don't buy into this argument that, oh, my God, that, you know, Phil Mickelson's the devil or Dustin Johnson or any of those guys that went over there. When the money that was being thrown around is is sick, life-changing money, generational-type wealth money, and, you know, nobody's vilifying Jack Nicholas, who's over there building golf courses. Nobody's vilifying Pepsi or Google or, you know, the, the U.S. government. Like or former presidents that are that are over there, like, like it's crazy. Well, uh, to me, it's just it's a, it's not a, it's a non-issue. Yeah, I, I don't know if I'd go as far as non-issue, but you're right. There's a heck of a lot of people taking advantage of the situation that aren't just the Phil Mickelsons and the Dustin Johnsons and the Brooks Kepkas of the world. I, I get all that. I think it was too the the PJ commissioner, um, you know, talking about how he, I mean he threw he threw nine eleven into the conversation. Uh, which obviously is, is maybe the most tragic day in American history. And then like six months later, he's teaming up with them. So I think that's what sort of rubbed people the wrong way is, is he stood on this moral high ground and then all of a sudden, you know, woke up one day on Monday morning and they, the two were merged. Yeah, and, Roy McElroy and Colin Morikawa said, why do I have to find out about this on Twitter? This is insane. So I think that was the, the thing that really rubbed people the wrong way was, was he uh, he was holier than thou about the whole thing, and then you know once his bank account got taken care of, he he took advantage of it too. Yeah, that commissioner could have resigned in protest. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I know he had a health scare. I don't know what the the latest update is there, but 
yeah, I, I don't really understand how he survives this to, you know, go on CNN and or wherever and say the things he said and then turn around just a few months later and, and take the money and the, sort of the cloak of darkness. Again, none of the PGA players knew this was even going to happen. I mean, the, the whole thing is the whole thing's a mess, Dan. There, yeah. There's really no other way to sugarcoat it. Hey, hey by the way, just the last thing on golf, a fun thing we were talking about a few weeks ago because the, um, the uh, Colorado Open was, uh, what, a week or two weeks ago? David Duvall actually, because he's only got a few years left, he has, um, he has exemptions to play in the uh, British Open, the Open Championship. He actually skipped the Open Championship to play in the Colorado Open with his son. Isn't that pretty cool? Yeah, that's really cool. David Duvall is uh, calls Colorado home. He's got a place right over there by Cherry Hills, and clearly, you know, he was the number one golfer in the world at one time, and his his career didn't go as planned after that. But clearly, to skip the British to to play with your son shows shows what David Duvall is all about. So, yes, hat tip to him. That was a very cool story. All right, since we're having fun here, and we're uh, starting the interview off on a fun note, I asked everybody this question. Um, I'm on the Broncos, and you probably you you may already have these tickets, you know, with your Kent Denver lineage, uh, Will. But I'm on the season Broncos waiting list, right? Um, you're probably on it too, unless you have do you have season tickets? I do not, Dan. Okay. I do not. Uh, I'm on the waiting list. Eighty seven eighty seven thousand strong. I'm probably like eighty six thousand four hundred. And I got an email this week, and they said, Dan. As a, see, we have an exclusive opportunity for you as a season ticket waiting list member. Uh, d- don't worry, you're in no danger of actually getting uh, season tickets right now, but we have a special opportunity for you. You can skip the line and get season tickets right now in a premium placement, Section 100, in the Breckenridge, Brewer- Breckenridge Bourbon Club. All-inclusive, all-you-can-eat, all the booze you can drink, every game. Don't bring – leave your wallet at home, special access, premium concessions, all the whole nine yards. The kit and caboodle. How much do you think it was per ticket? I, I was going to say, the, the kicker is, you know, we've, we've all seen the, the $100 million stadium res- renovations, and uh, they're trying to fill those bad boys up, so that's why you got that email <laughs> – Let's say per ticket per game. Uh, I'll say they wanted two grand a ticket per game. Oh no, you way overshot. Way overshot. Um, well, they won. I think th- I think it, the math works out to about eight hundred dollars a ticket per game. Now use your use your math your your Denver math here because uh, it it's ten thousand dollars per per season you know, ticket you know per ticket. Uh, over what is it? Twelve? I think it's twelve. You know, because it's nine home games and then plus the preseason games. So you have to buy all that. So I think it's about ten thousand. So it's ten thousand dollars. You know, for the season tickets per per seat. So uh, you could go see about two Taylor Swift concerts for that price. So uh, I would do it, Dan. Hey, that's a that's a good you know good point there. Uh, you know, so it's tw- you'd be in you know twenty grand. You know, if, you know, because you got to buy two, right? You know, it's twenty grand, right? Yeah. So, uh, unfortunately, although things are going very well at 303 Law 4040, unfortunately, we weren't able to take advantage of that exclusive opportunity. Yeah, no, I get it. I mean, that's that's still a lot of, lot of money. But it is interesting. That's a good look behind the scenes that they do these, you know, these massive upgrades. And we've all seen the photos of the, the new Breckenridge Bourbon Brewery, whatever club that's going to be down there. It looks really cool. But it also shows you, Dan, it's August 6th. 
And they're still trying to fill those things with someone who's 86,000th on the ticket list. So uh, I'm sure they will find a way to get all of those sold out. But, you know, if you're going to build all this premium seating, you got to make sure the demand is there. And they're going pretty down, pretty far down the list to, to make sure that the, the Breckenridge Bourbon Brewery Club is, uh, is fully at full capacity come, uh, what is it, September 10th against the Raiders, I guess? Yeah, here's the other interesting thing about tickets. Um, you can go. They're not sold out, by the way. Um, just the, And I'm not talking about resale. If you go to denverbroncos.com or Ticketmaster, uh, it used to be they would season tickets, or not season tickets, regular season tickets would, you know, to the general public um, would go on sale and they'd sell out immediately. You can go to the ticket site right now and you can, you know, there's filters, right? So you can just say, no, I want a standard ticket. I want to filter out all resale, right? Like, because I don't want to pay the ridiculous fees. And you can just buy tickets straight from the Denver Broncos right now to any game you want. Yeah, I mean, that's that's sort of a, a reflection of where this team is at, right? We've been, we're, well, we're clearly in the worst route in the history of the franchise. I think everyone knows that. Uh, on their fourth head coach in the last, what, six years? I mean, the the franchise right now is, is not the proud franchise that won the three Lombardi trophies. It's, it's at its absolute lowest point. And I, and I understand that Greg Penner and the Walton Penner family ownership group are working hard to fix that. And they're, they're paying their quarterback $250 million. They're paying their head coach $90 million. They, it's not for a lack of effort um, for an ownership group that is on the team for basically exactly a year now. But I think fans are a little gun shy. I really do. Um, people <clears throat> ever since Super Bowl 50 are feeling burned by this team, including last year, Dan, which I, uh, I told our good friend Zach by when I was filling in for Stoke on Thursday that last year was the most disappointing season in the history of my Denver Broncos fandom uh, based on the expectations and ultimately what happened. There's certainly been losses that were more disappointing. You know, the, the 96 Jaguars, the 2012 Ravens, obviously a handful of the Super Bowls. Um, but in terms of the whole, the whole shebang, the whole season, last year was the most disappointing season in the history of the Denver Broncos. And, and again, fans are feeling a little scarred by that. I, I don't blame them. Here's the question I've been putting to everybody. Um, I know you've been out there some, uh, or I don't know if you've been out there every day or whatever, but you've been out there. Um, do you think we will see the return of Seattle Russ? No, 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 no. Not based on anything I've seen. I mean, I know he threw the 47-yarder to Judy yesterday, and everyone's going crazy, and good for him. He finally made a play. He finally found the end zone. But it was on the very last play of practice, 10 days into training camp, and that's, a, that's supposed to mean that Seattle Russ is back? No. I mean, Dan, I'm, I'm, you know, it's nothing personal. I'm just telling you what my eyes have seen. Russell Wilson's been brutal at practice. Um, I feel like I took a time machine to 2022 between Tim Patrick getting carted off and, you know, already two season-ending injuries with him and Jonas Griffith. Riley Moss, <clears throat> excuse me, got the surgery. Um, the offense is just so underwhelming. They, they can't move the ball. I'm not going to say, oh, he threw a 47-yarder to Judy. Everything's fine. No, that was, that was the highlight of camp 10 days in. Uh, Dan, I've seen nothing that makes me think he's going to get back to Seattle Russ. I, you know, is it a dip or a decline? Uh, it's a decline from everything I can tell. Russell Wilson will probably never be the quarterback he was in Seattle ever again. And uh, if, if that if that's how it goes, I'm hoping it doesn't. I'm hoping I'm wrong. If that how, how it goes, Dan, it's the worst trade in NFL history and it's the worst contract in NFL history. Well, you know, I, I, I felt a little guilty because I think I, I was quick to throw around that worst trade in NFL history too. And then I thought, 
Okay, wait a minute. You, what about the Herschel Walker trade? I mean, that was pretty bad. And, of course, there was the Ricky Williams trade as well. Both bad trades. Both bad trades. But the, the, the contract is where it comes in. Last time I checked, Herschel Walker and Ricky Williams didn't get a quarter of a billion dollars. And when they have to cut him, Dan, it is going to cripple their salary cap the next two years. So uh, the combo of the trade and the contract will, to me, uh, especially because they will, they will suffer the financial repercussions in 2024 and 2025 against the salary cap, um, the Denver Broncos won't be good again. It, again, this is assuming the worst. They won't be good again until 2026 at the earliest. Um, that is a, a crippling, crippling move by George Payton. Well, I don't even know if that's accurate. Like, um, because, okay, even if they clear out the salary, I, who's playing quarterback? Well, you, you, I mean, you hope it goes. It, again, I, I don't want to kick people off, but we're going down this rabbit hole that, you know, he's cooked and it's going to be a terrible year. Then you hope it's really terrible. And I know that's hard for fans to hear, but, but Dan, you hope it's three and fourteen, right? Or, or but Sean four and Payton's never been that. Because, Sean, Sean Payton's never been three and fourteen. Okay, but do you want it to turn around? Do you do you want Caleb Williams? Do you want Drake May? I mean, that's that's how bad you're going to have to be. Because guess what? If Sean Payton scratches them to six and eleven, they'll be picking number ten overall, and and those two quarterbacks will be off the board. So I, I know it's hard to sit here on August sixth and say, hey, guess what? Three and fourteen would be better than six and eleven. But it would, because then you're in the Caleb Williams sweepstakes, and there's finally a light at the end of the tunnel to solve this quarterback problem that has plagued them ever since Peyton Manning retired. Yeah, but you've seen Sean Payton, you, you know, and I, I don't mean this insultingly, but you know his ego. Um, do you? Do you? I I just don't see him tanking, and he's a good coach. I don't think he's he's going to allow this team to to be in the gutter. Well, uh, I think when Sean Payton left the Fox set, he sort of knew what he was signing up for. And that is a rebuild, but let me be clear, a quick rebuild. Because what did he do in New Orleans? He had a very quick rebuild. He went down there and they had one off a year, and then they were a perennial playoff contender after that. So I don't, I don't think Sean Payton's opposed to a rebuild. He did it with the Saints. I just think he's opposed to a rebuild that's more than a year or two. And if that means going 3-14 and 14 this year to get Caleb Williams, then you can go win 10 games next year and every year thereafter. I think Sean Payton would sign up for that in a heartbeat. I don't know. Good talk. Good debate. I appreciate it. Uh, Scrappy Will Peterson, what are you working on for denversports.com? We're always busy at denversports.com, but uh, Dan, with the Broncos off today, I'm going to take my day off as well, so I will have a better answer for you on that tomorrow. All right. Fantastic. Well, uh, enjoy your day off tomorrow. By the way, my wife has instituted a mandatory day off for me as well, so Monday is my day off. There you go. Well, enjoy your day off. I hope you get on the golf course because you don't like weekend golf, but Monday golf may uh, treat you well. I was talking about this uh, earlier in the show. So I haven't played golf in like over a year or whatever. I had a knee surgery. And um, I got a, a golfing weekend where we're going to play a couple rounds with a couple guys from the station coming up in about a month. So okay. I'm not ready for the course, I'm, but I'm going to the driving range quite a bit. So I'm going to hit the driving range tomorrow, and I'm 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 just I'm hoping to be you know respectable, you know, so that I don't embarrass myself for these you know rounds, uh, you know these nice courses up in the mountains. That's all. I was going to say, is that at your big fancy house and steamboat? It, it is. Yes, it's not a house. It's a you know, it's not a house. <laughs> when, when do I get the steamboat invite? Uh, anytime uh, how you do want. I wiggle my way into that? Anytime you want, brother. <laughs> 
All right, sounds good. I'll take you up on it. Take care, man. All right, that's uh, Scrappy Will Peterson. Uh, appreciate him. Uh, your chance to react to anything you heard with uh, Scrappy Will coming up next. Taking a break from laying down the law in the courtroom to lay down the law in the sports world. Here's Judge Dan Jacobs on Denver Sports Station, 1043 The Fan. setting up Bally. So Brian, um, Brian, and by the way, Brian, when you set up Bally Neal, I'll bring Mike Evans. So it'll be you, me, a member at Bally Neal, and Mike Evans. That's the way it's supposed to work. You've been, you've done no work to set up, make this Bally Neal outing happen. I'm very disappointed in you, Brian. See, for those of you who don't know, Bally Neal is, is the, of course, the best uh, course in the state. Um, people don't know about it, but, you know, because it's private. Um, there was a guy named Rupert O'Neill and his brother out by Holyoke, Colorado. Um, there is just, there were these rolling hills and he said, this guy, he was on his tractor. Um, and he was actually a big fan of the station because back then we were AM 950 and you could actually pick up the station on his tractor. And, um, he just said, we could make a great dunes like British open style course out here. So he built this thing. His, his last name was O'Neill. So he built this course called Bally Neal. And it is one of the finest golf courses in the country. And I think it even has a world ranking and it may be top, top 40 in the, maybe top 35 in the private courses, even nationwide. I think, I don't know exactly where it ranks, but it's really, really high up there. And the former owner uh, Rupert O'Neill loved this station and he would always, you know, reach out to me and be like, Hey, why don't you guys come out and play and play? And I did go play one time. Um, but you know, some things happened and he's not there anymore. So now I don't have an in. And so I'm always like, Brian, you know, Brian wanted to play golf one time. I'm like, I'm happy to play with you. You know, you're a very industrious guy. Why don't you set us up at Bally Neal? You know, get us back on a Bally Neal. I don't have a connection there anymore. And, um, you know, we just, it never happened. And, you know, I, I thought, you know, maybe, you know, one of the listeners out here would love to have us, you know, they'll invite us out, something like that. It's just never happened. And so, um, you know, Brian, I guess is teasing now. Like, Brian, what, you, you know, you're supposed to be doing the work. And, yeah, Mike Evans and I will come out and play with you at Bally Neal. That's the deal. But, no, we're actually going to uh, Rolling Stone Ranch and Haymaker out in Steamboat. So that's where we're going to be playing. And I just got to, you know, golf, it's just so perplexing with me. So I haven't played in a year. And when I'm right, um, you know, I'll shoot, you know, like, you know, the last time I was playing, um, you know, I, I would shoot like back-to-back 91, 92. You know, that's about where I'm at. You know, not cheating, not, not you know, not taking a bunch of mulligans. I'm right there. You know, low 90s. Um, a couple years back, just for exercise and to get the free golf, I took a job working outside at uh, Meadow Hills with Kane Fitzgerald. 
phenomenal player. And, um, you know, you got all the free golf you, you could could handle, right? And, um, yeah, so I was playing quite a bit and, you know, had free you know, range balls and all that stuff. And, you know, I was shooting in the low 90s. And then, you know, I had knee surgery last year, really hadn't been playing. This is why I quit golf. For some reason, when I stopped playing, in Colorado, you always have to stop playing for the winter. And so it's always been this way for me, right? When I stopped playing, so, you know, before I went to law school, I worked here and I got all sorts of free golf. All, I, I produced the golf show. I got free club, thousands of dollars worth of free clubs and custom clubs and everything. You know, we get, went, all the, went on all these junkets and it, it was awesome. And I could get down into the low 90s. I even got into the 80s one time and I'd be feeling good about my game. And then... I would take the you know the winter break, and then um, of course I come back, and then sorry I was reading a text. Um, I would you know come back, and then I'd be back up and shooting in the one tens, one fifteens, and would just drive me crazy, man. And then I, I would spend the entire season getting back into the nineties, and then it would just you know it would go away, it would disappear again. And what's driving me crazy now? Um, you know, I would come back and. You know, so right now I'm, you know, I was up, you know, steamboat a few weeks ago, about a month ago, hitting the ball fairly well, come back, you know, to the driving range, hitting, hitting, you know, at least getting it in the air and hitting it fairly straight. And then I go out last week and I'm struggling to get in the air without, you know, slicing it like crazy. It just drives me crazy. Somebody says, uh, Dan, you would shoot 120 at Ballet Neal, very tough track. Yeah, probably. I mean, not right now. No, right. I mean, it would be one of those things where I'd have to be at the range for a solid week every day, once or twice a day, just to be able to play there. Right. I'm having, I'm going to have to ramp, you know, ramp up my range game like big time. Um, just to, just to be able to play next month. So yeah, somebody else was saying it was rumored back when it first opened that many celebrities would go there and play golf. That's from no code Dan. Yeah, no, Bally Neal's nuts, man. Like it's a crazy, no, nobody knows about it or very few people know about it. It's insane. It's one of those things like it was kind of, modeled after it's a really interesting story it was modeled after there's a a secret place you know kind of in nebraska where rich people like to go to hunt pheasant and they just fly in on their private planes a lot of times and uh, there's little cottages and stuff and they play you know and there's a pri- you know basically a private chef there and so they 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 come in you know and like Ballinia, for example i don't know if this place in nebraska is the same way that you know you you have to walk Right. But you get a caddy. Right. And, um, you know, you just play a great course. Then you go have a meal with a private chef, essentially. And then the next day you go shoot pheasant or whatever. And, you know, stay in this nice old cottage. So you have a nice day or two, day and a half. And then you fly out. And so that's what Rupert O'Neill thought they would do with Bally Neal. And it was really structured. It was ingenious that it was going to be really exclusive and he priced the, you know, the initiation fees and the week and the, you know, yearly dues were very reasonable. But if he, if he had sold it out, the course would pay for itself. Like he would have built it essentially for free. Um, and I think it just didn't work out exactly right. I don't know. I don't want to get into all that private stuff. Um, but it was really kind of ingenious if it would have worked out exactly right. But, um, I think it's changed ownership a couple of times. Um, but it's a kind of a fascinating story. I was, you know, I was, it was cool that I was able to go out there. Um, you know, obviously I, I'm a judge out that way. Um, I have, 
longstanding ties. I met my wife out yonder, out there. She's from that area. I, you know, know some, you know, have some, you know, ties to Holyoke. Spent a lot of time in Holyoke when I was going to NJC out there. So I have a lot of connections, you know, ties out there. So um, it's fascinating that we have such a great course out there, but it's kind of, kind of cool. Um, let me see this. Um, let's see. There was something else that somebody was saying. Oh, um, $800 per ticket. Interesting. I guess the new Broncos ownership realized that the Broncos are a second-rate team with a second, maybe third-rate quarterback, so their premium pricing is also second-rate. Welcome to the Walmart of the NFL. I don't know, maybe to you. I mean, $10,000, you know, per ticket. I mean, that's twenty grand. And you got to consider, by the way, that that's paying, you know, almost $2,500 per ticket or, you know, you know, for the, for the, you know, so that's, you know, five grand of that, of the 20 grand is for the preseason games that you're just going to give away, right? Like if you're, if you're buying those Breckenridge Bourbon Club seats, I mean, you're, you're spending five grand for, you know, the preseason games that you're probably not going to go to. So I don't know. I mean, 20 grand for a pair of tickets is, I don't think that's chump change. Um, and you know it works out too. I did the math during the during the break. It's um, eight hundred and thirty three dollars per ticket. Um, also on the RamosLaw.com text line, this is from Mike in Aurora. Finally, some truth on this station. Tank the season, trade Sertan, Sutton, and Jerry Judy. Build picks and get Williams. Uh, I'm not for tanking uh, the season yet because I want to see what. I, I think very highly of Sean Payton, and I want to see what he can do. I mean, I really think you have to see what he can do. you got to be fair to him. I don't think it's fair to expect him to come in here and, and win 12 games and be a playoff team. I don't think that's realistic. See what he can do with the pieces you have, and then if you can build on them. Um, also, I don't think you're going to get anything for um, a Sutton, and you're going to get very little for a Jerry Judy. And if you can resurrect a Jerry Judy, then he might have some value. You you might be able to get something for Patrick Sertan right now, but I'm not in this camp where you trade your talent. It was it was fascinating to me hosting with DMAC about a month ago. It's like he, he wants to trade all your talent. I think he just wants to strip it down to the bones. And it's, and 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 DMAC has put some serious thought into into what he says. And DMAC just believes that you invest highly into only certain positions. And cornerback is just not one of those positions. I think he wants to invest in basically quarterback, left tackle, pass rusher, and there may be another position. I don't know if wide receiver is one of those or not. But those are definitely his top three. But he just doesn't want to invest in that. You know, the, as far as quarterback goes, but I, I, I think you got to give it a year at least with Sean Payton. But you got to figure out what you have in Russell Wilson, and so I think it would be dangerous to tank right now, given the state of his contract. But if if he doesn't prove to be somewhat close to an elite quarterback, then you you, you gotta you gotta wonder. You know, what? what is your path forward? And I think you are going to be close to 
a rebuild because you're going to have to move on. It's going to be painful. And if you're going to, because the question is, how are you going to how are you going to rebuild when you're 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 going to have to move on from Russell Wilson, and you're going to have to do it in a manner in which you're going to have to take the hit over two years. And I think that hit, if I'm remembering correctly, if I'm understanding right, the hit's going to be like forty five million over the course of two years. So you're not going to be competitive at a high level at that rate. And so what are you doing? Right? It's going to be tough. Um, somebody says, Bally Neal's top 15 in the U.S., going to build another one, uh, another 18. Yeah, I've always heard they rumored they were going to build another 18-hole course out there. I, don't, I just don't know um, if, if that's going to be accurate, uh, if, if, if they can sustain that out there. Never thought that. Um, somebody says, I taught high school in Delta, Colorado for a few years out of college. Devil's Thumb golf course there consistently ranks, uh, ranks in the top five of courses in the state. They would give teachers a summer membership for $300. I was a good golfer by the end of the summer every year. That's Will and Fort Collins. That's cool. Um, By the way, Grand Junction as well um, has a couple really cool courses because of the the Colorado National Monument out there is really cool, beautiful. Um, There's even like a really cool executive course out there. Um, Built some great memories playing some golf out in Grand Junction. Um, Really cool. Somebody laughs. They say... Um, Bally Neal is a, quote, tough track. Somebody then groans on the text line. Um, so that's cool. Somebody says, trade Sutton for what, a latte? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Colin Sutton has no trade value. They explored that. I mean, it, it, you know, it's an $18 million contract. And now I think some of that, I think maybe the, the – the receiver may be only taking on $14 million of that, but he's not even worth that. It's just, it's, it's, it's a tough sell. Like, I, they, they just don't have tradable assets right now. So I think you got to run with what you have. And Sean Payton's a really good coach. Like, I advocated, like, to me, it was clear. If you could get Sean Payton, that's what you needed because you needed to stop the bleeding. You know, this there was cancer coursing through the veins of this organization from the very top, from the trust that was running it all the way down. And I, and I hate to call, you know, to, to, to poison George Payton's name with that because I don't think he's a bad guy at all. He seems like a really nice guy, but he just doesn't seem like he was competent at all. And to be honest with you, the, the the evidence is really bearing that out. Like, it's obvious he wasn't competent in hiring head coaches because he hired Coach Hackett. And he, you know, also made the Russell Wilson trade. And, and I've been asking this question to everybody on the staff here at the fan that's been out to training camp. And I said, do you think we're going to see the return of Seattle Russ? And to a man, every single one of them has said no. And if that is the answer, then trading for Russell Wilson and giving him that contract is a colossal bust. Will Peterson just said it's going to be the worst trade in the history of the league, worse than the Herschel Walker trade, worse than the Ricky Williams trade. And if that's true, then that's on George Payton's name. 
Those are the two biggest things he's done. And so he's included, and I say that when I say a cancer was coursing through the veins of this organization. And I think you needed a Sean Payton to come in and change that. But he can't just fix that overnight. And so I want to see what he can do to start changing the foundation of what we have here and to rebuild that. But they need, you know, to build a house, you start with the foundation. But then you need the materials to build. You know, you need the brick and mortar and you need the wiring and you need this, you know, the everything that goes into that, man. You need the paint, you need the tools, you need all that. And they just don't have that right now. Like, that's what we're talking about. Like when the Texas like trade what? Yeah, you got Patrick Sertan. Justin Simmons is having a great camp, man. He looks fantastic. But he's not even really tradable. Like you're not going to get a lot in return for him. He's in his prime right now, but when people are going to trade for him, they're going to be like, well, how much left does he have in the tank? He's been playing at a high level for a long time, but even he's getting on the wrong side of his, you know, years, right? Like his, you know, like, like he's, he's, he's going to get start, you know, getting some tread on those tires. Like people aren't going to be, you know, like they just don't have assets. Somebody going to trade for Randy Gregory? No. Somebody going to trade for Garrett Bowles? No. Anybody going to trade for Mike McGlinchey? No. Like, like they just, you know, they don't have a ton of talent. They think they started to get some in McGlinchey and Powers and Allen, and they're developing some. That's all good and well. But they've got to start building, and they got to be, I, I just think we got to be fair with them. And uh, maybe they do rip it all down, you know, start next year. Um, but I don't think they do that right now. All right, we'll take a, a quick timeout and then wrap this puppy up. Your final chance to get involved in the program. This is the Dan Jacobs Show on a nice little uh, overcast Sunday. Easy, like Sunday morning edition of the Dan Jacobs Show here on The Fan. Judge, jury, execution. Okay, that got really dark fast. Now back to his honor, Judge Dan Jacobs on Denver Sports Station, 1043, The Fan. Well, I'm running down the road trying to loosen my load. I've got seven women on my mind. Four that want to hold me, two that want to stone me, one so she's a friend of mine. Take it easy, take it easy. Here's an interesting what is the worst trade between Russ and Nolan? Don't well, I guess it depends on who you are. Are you a Rockies fan? A Rockies fan may say the Nolan Arenado trade. He traded the best player in the history of the organization and got absolutely nothing in return. But I've seen no indication out of Rocky's ownership that they're unhappy with that trade at all. I mean, am I missing something? Have they come out and said, you know, in hindsight, we really wish we could have made Nolan happy and we shouldn't have traded him? I, I, I Maybe I'm missing it. I, I don't know that they wouldn't make that trade all over again. Because they're... they're 
their mission was to dump salary, and they dumped salary kind of. I mean, they were still paying salary after the trade was over, but, you know. I, so I, I don't I don't know how to answer that. Like, I think the team is happy with that trade. So I would have to say after we, you know, because also the jury is still out on the Russ trade. If Sean Payton fixes Russ, then it's not a bad trade. Like, this can still be a good trade for the Broncos. Right? Like, if Russ comes back and has a good year, you know, it's not set in stone. Like, we're talking like, because he hasn't had the best camp, we're talking like it's a foregone conclusion that Russell Wilson's going to come out and be bad. That's not. It's not set in stone. It could be like Sean Payton saying. He's, he's, we're installing a new offense. And it's there's a learning curve. And we're, and we're in training camp. It's like Alan Iverson says, it's practice. This is what practice is for. It's to learn. It's to install things. It's to get better at it. And so that when we start playing games for real, we'll actually be good at it. So that's all a possibility. Right? Like, like it could be that that's what's going to happen. It could be that Sean Payton's going to do the same thing that Pete Carroll did in Seattle and said, all right, Russell Wilson, we're going to play this game in a way that is going to make you thrive. Like, it's not a foregone conclusion that this is a bad trade. It looks like that. It looks like it's going to be a bad trade, but that's not certain. It's not that, you know, it, it could be that Russell Wilson's going to come out and do just fine this year and that the Broncos are going to move. move. I mean, the, the head coach's expectation is playoffs. He said that. He said that. By the way, um, somebody's saying, Nolan is having a terrible year in St. Louis, so who really cares, right? Maybe maybe, maybe it was good for the Rockies to get out from underneath that contract. Nothing was ever going to happen that way um, this year. Hi, Dan. By the way, Jimmy G is having an even worse camp than Wilson. Seven interceptions. Not sure why the Raiders keep going under the national radar as a dumpster fire. Uh, McDaniel's looking like he is wiping them out. Z and Broomfield. I don't know. D-Mac and I were talking about that yesterday. D-Mac was saying, why are, why are we assuming that the Raiders are going to be bad, and I'm like, I think that's a pretty safe assumption that they're not going to be any good. And D-Max like, I don't know, like almost like he's expecting them to be good. I don't know. Somebody says the fan thrives on negativity and doom and gloom and continues to pile on Wilson. It's ridiculous to give up on him after one bad year. The only voice of reason is Mark Schlereth, who's willing to give Wilson a chance. Well, I don't know. I just spent two minutes, two full minutes saying that it's not certain that Wilson's going to have a bad year. Can I get credit from that, for, for, Texter? Did I, not, did I just not say that it's not certain? That it's, it's entirely possible that Russell Wilson comes out and lives up to his contract. I just said that right here on the program. Hey, that we're done for today. Sydney Cora, you did a fantastic job. 
Um, we're going to wrap up, but I'll be back with you next weekend, uh, 11 a.m. on Saturday and 10 a.m. as always for the Easy Like Sunday morning edition of the Dan Jacob Show. Go out and um, enjoy the rest of your Saturday. And as always, every first and third Thursday, if any of you need it, we have the best free meal in all of Denver and groceries for the week at Eastern Hills Community Church, 4 to 6 p.m. every first and third Thursday. You are-